0: Hello and welcome to the Drabblecast, episode 103. The Drabblecast is a weekly flash fiction podcast magazine that brings strange stories by strange authors to strange listeners, such as yourself. I'm your host, Norm Sherman. Well folks, one more week in the Drabblecast People's Choice Awards. Remember to swing by the forums, quickly register if you aren't yet, and vote in the two polls there for Best feature Story and Best Drabble. It's a close race so far, and next week we'll announce the People's Choice Best Story of the Year. Speaking of competition for good stories, most people know about the ongoing neck-to-neck competition for strange, completely pointless news between Drabblecast and our longtime rivals, Fox News. Just when we find a good story about someone eating a live duck, Fox steps in and airs a story about Angus the Armadillo, who, after being separated during a tornado, walked 5,000 miles to find the family who adopted him from a shelter heartwarming. It's always the same. We do a vampire catfish story in Peru. They do a leprechaun living in a tree in Alabama. We do exploding pig brain viruses. They do the Bill O'Reilly show. Well, sometimes, if you can't beat them, you just gotta join them. You can tune into other stations for your ponderous, urgent, relevant world news. This week's trifling bit of inanity comes courtesy of Fox, baby. Shit. Sure. What you're about to hear is the voice of a small, red, North American, uh, marsupial, I think. Astonishing, yes, that it somehow acquired spoken language skills, but even more astonishing is what it's saying. And what exactly is it saying? You be the judge. Wait a second, what was that? It's Elmo, of course. The most hateable of falsetto-voiced educational Muppets. But it's important to really have an opinion what you think you heard before you find out what he's supposed to be saying, and what he's in trouble for saying. 456? The innocent enumeration of sequential, well-ordered elements? Or... Who wants to have sex? A solicitation for lewd, libidinous, low-down, lemur love. A perverse proposition for promiscuous puppet punani. Lisa and Ed Harrison from Oakland, New Jersey, say a Tickle Me Elmo toy telephone they bought for their toddler has a filthy mouth. The toy is supposed to count numbers, but these parents claim Elmo is saying, Who wants to have sex? They contacted Fisher-Price, which reported only two other complaints about Elmo's indecent proposal, asking them to remove the product or at least place a warning label on it. Yeah, I can see Fisher-Price doing that. Warning, in addition to developing basic counting skills through fun and interactive games, this product may also try to mate with your toddler. Fisher-Price declined, saying in an official statement, we carefully write and record songs and lyrics for our products to make sure they're suitable for children lighten up pervs the first time i listened to the clip i heard who wants to have sex very distinctly actually but since then after finding out it was supposed to be four five six four five six is all i can hear i can't get my mind back into sesame street's gutters let's listen to the clip one more time super slowed down yeah that's pretty much counting Just to make sure, though, that we haven't missed any corruption, let's listen to it one more time, but even slower. Who wants to watch Fox? Uh Uh-oh. Our drabble this week is called Sammy Has a Good Day by Josh Hugo. Josh lives with his wife and two daughters in Illinois, and he's self-employed as a freelance artist. Print design, web design, photography, video— There's really not much he won't do. Just ask Elmo. Check his site out at freemodemedia.com. Remember, Drabbles are stories exactly 100 words long. Send yours into Drabblecast at yahoo.com. The experiment was a success. Gravity was defeated. Dr. Mossberg could not help but be elated that his theories had been proven correct. There was no time for him to feel the appropriate horror, no time for anything but a sharp sense of irony. His bitter laugh was smothered by the roar of the bursting earth. Sammy jumped off the roof with mixed feelings. He had faith enough to leap, but he feared that the magic towel might fail and let him fall. Doubt vanished as the magic took hold and lifted him. Sammy laughed with joy as he soared. Our feature story this week is called Out of His League by Bruce Golden. After more than 20 years in journalism, working as a magazine writer, editor, radio reporter, and television producer, Bruce decided to concentrate all his efforts on his first love, writing speculative fiction. He since sold dozens of short stories and three novels. Asimov's science fiction magazine said of his second book, Better Than Chocolate, if Mickey Spillane had collaborated with both Frederick Pohl and Philip K. Dick, he might have produced Bruce Golden's Better Than Chocolate. Bruce's third novel, Evergreen, is due out any day now. Check out his site at goldentails.tripod.net. So without further ado, Out of His League by Bruce Golden. Bats slammed into lockers. Cleats scraped the floor and frothy spittle stained the walls. An influx of uniformed combatants filed into the room, some mumbling, others grumbling, the sure sign of another loss. In moments, the place smelled of dirty socks and planetary jocks. As if to alter the mood, one of them began revolving around the post-game spread, waving his arms. Man, yo, I say we put this one behind us, called out Saturn in an upbeat tone. I say we go out and find some bodacious local asteroids in need of a good fertility right. know what I'm saying? What do you say? His idea was greeted by a colorful array of expletives. No one was in the mood to party. By the time little Mercury showed up, with the really bad news, the room was already subdued. Most had changed out of their uniforms and were already in and out of the showers. Mars noticed the normally peppy infielder appeared unusually glum. What's wrong? You look like you've seen a black hole. Did you hear what happened to Pluto? The speedster asked the room in general. They cut him. What? Mars slammed his fist against the wall. Damn it! I knew something was up! Are you sure?" asked Jupiter, scratching his oversized head with sausage-like fingers. Yeah, replied Mercury. He's in with management right now. I hear they're sending him down to the Dwarf League. I bet it was Terra's fault, groused Mars. He's always stirring up trouble. No telling what he told management behind Pluto's back. Well, yo, Pluto's always been a little erratic, said Saturn fresh out of the shower and adorning himself with his usual bling. And it's not like he's the fastest guy in the galaxy either. Maybe, said Mars. But he's a scrappy little player, and he was always there for us, eon after eon. Jupiter stood, stretched his massive arms, and yawned. I'm gonna miss the little guy. Um, what's this gonna do to team chemistry? wondered Venus. Oh, management doesn't care about chemistry, carped Mars. All they care about is astronomy. We should tell the others before he gets here, suggested Venus. Saturn volunteered. Yo, I'll get Neptune. He's still in the shower. That figures, responded Mars. Hey, while you're in there, get Uranus out of the head. Before Saturn returned, Terra walked in and said excitedly, Hey, did you guys hear about what happened to Pluto? That was all Mars needed. He grabbed Terra by his uniform and slammed him up against a spade of lockers. What did you do, you prissy, waterlogged, rodent-infested little… Jupiter and Mercury moved quickly to intervene, separating the pair. What did you tell them? Mars ranted as Jupiter held him back. "What, What are you talking about? Terra seemed stunned by the attack. Mars thinks it's your fault they're sending Pluto down, explained Venus. What? I didn't have anything to do with that. How could I? Why would I? Before Mars could continue his diatribe, Pluto walked in. He was already in street clothes, but went straight to his locker. The room hushed noticeably, and for a moment, everyone acted as if nothing were amiss. But when Pluto began emptying out his locker, Mercury put an arm on his shoulder. Sorry, my man. We all heard it's a bum deal. Pluto shrugged. Hey, you know, it's, it's part of the business. I didn't get the job done. Then, mustering a bit of bravado, he turned to face the room and added, but you know what? I'll be back. Don't you worry about that. I'll, I'll go down, I'll get my game together, and then I'll be back. It's, it's just a slump. You'll see, I'll be back up here in no time, guys. Jupiter nodded his big head and his bassoon-like voice bellowed. That's right, you'll be back in no time at all. You'll go down there and you'll give them a good showing, Pluto old bud. Yeah, called out a couple other voices with less than genuine enthusiasm. Unable to hold back the tears, Venus turned away. Mars looked like he wanted to break something. Searching his rather voluminous cranium for something else to say, something inspirational, Jupiter came up with, uh, just remember, you can't steal first base. Yeah, right, thanks Jupiter, responded Pluto. He knew the big guy well enough not to waste time puzzling over anything he said. But Jupiter wasn't finished. Did I ever tell you How I could've been a star. Venus waved him silent. Not now, Jupiter. Pluto finished bagging up his stuff and started out. Terra stepped up and shook his hand. Good luck, Pluto. Yeah, said Mercury. Knock him dead down there. Pluto looked like he wanted to say something else, but couldn't get the words out. Instead, he glanced away and walked out. Mercury stared at Jupiter. You're a real gas bag, you know that? You can't steal first base. What kind of idiot thing is that to say? Jupiter shrugged his mammoth shoulders. The gravitational effect of the movement pulled Saturn back in from the showers, with Neptune and Uranus in tow. Whoa, what's happening, man? Asked Neptune, still dripping. They cut Pluto. He's gone. Cut him? Why? Why do you think? Mars replied sarcastically. He wasn't orbiting up to expectations. It's not why that matters offered Mercury. It's who. Who will they cut next? Katie, Katie was baseball mad Had the fever and had it bad Just to for the hometown Through every zoo Katie blue Well, that was our story. Hope you enjoyed it. Poor Pluto. Let's do some story feedback from episode 99, Sarah's Window, by Jannie Lee Simner. This was the story about the scary demon-fairy shadow dude and the father trying to get his daughter back. People freaked out on this story, and it was a hit all around. It even became one of the top five stories up for People's Choice Drabblecast Award this year. Mr. Tweedy had some good thoughts on it, saying, The story was fascinating. We have all these stories about children being whisked off to magical realms, and it's usually portrayed as an unequivocally good thing. Peter Pan flies in through the window and leaves with all the children. It never struck me before, but how creepy is that? Even in Narnia, the kids vanish into a magic portal and forget about who they were. In that story, the magical world is so compelling that they live as a king and queen for 15 to 25 years and don't even think about the fact that they used to live in a different world. This story really captured the flip side of that magical world story. The characters are drawn into some place that's strange and fantastic, but for that to happen, they must necessarily be drawn out of the real world. From the perspective of an outsider, Peter Pan is just a kidnapper, isn't he? So yeah, I thought this was pretty deep. Is the fairy evil? Well, we don't really know, do we? We just know that he's scary. He comes into houses and takes children from their beds. He gets into your head and messes. You can't stop him or contain him. He doesn't talk or ask permission. He's terrifying but is he bad? Well, that rather depends on your perspective, doesn't it? Tree Man added his own interesting points, saying, I also like the point that's been brought up about the stick demon not being evil so much as outright terrible. However, I wonder if the protagonist ever had much of a choice. If the story had one fault, in my opinion, it's at the moment of decision and the father was never highlighted, while choice and the passing of tests is a clear theme. Was what happened to him truly inevitable, or is there hope for the strongest of us? Does choice versus inevitability mirror evil versus the terrible? Hmm. Occasionally, discussion gets a little deep in the forums, but sometimes people just post Photoshop pictures of Napoleon Dynamite as a Portuguese man-of-war. You should pipe in and let us know your thoughts on the stories you hear. Only takes a second to join. So that's pretty much our show. Aside from me playing that Elmo clip one more time. Who wants to give us donations? Er, I mean, four, five, six. You can donate either once or subscribe for 5 bucks a month from our website, www.drabblecast.org. Write a review on iTunes or wherever if you like the show, and share us with a friend. All our content is licensed through a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License, which means you can do whatever you want with it. Just don't change it or sell it without talking to us first. Tune in next week for more good times. Until then, our staff is made up of co-editors Kendall Marchman, Luke Coddington, and yours truly, Norm Sherman, reminding you... That you can't steal first base. The waitress turns chairs upside down. piano player picks up his tip jar and drink. And the bartender shouts, Last round. An hour ago, this place was loaded. A noise filled the room like the smoke.